welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Kathy. It'll just be me for today, and we will discuss episode 28 of The Story of Minglan, or Zhifo, Zhifo, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com if you have any questions or suggestions. For today's episode, we will do an episode recap, then discuss some history, and then do a character analysis, and finally close with book differences. In the last episode, the young duke, Qi Hong, declared and reaffirmed his love to Milan and promised that he will marry her. Unfortunately, this dream came crashing down when his mother, the princess Pingning, ordered Qi Hong's servant Bu Wei to be beaten to death. Later that evening, the princess divulged the difficult position that the family is currently in. Two of the most prominent families in the capital want Qi Hong as a son-in-law. One family is the Prince of Yong or Yong Wang. The other family is the Chai family. The Prince of Yong already showed his hand, capturing the young daughter of the Chai family, humiliating her and ultimately causing her to commit suicide. The Prince of Yong's family, his only goal is to force Qi Hong to marry his daughter. Things are looking pretty grim for the Qi family. And with that, let's start off with episode 28. A servant comes in to report to Qi Hong and his mother that the Duke of Qi was basically dragged into the Prince of Yong's estate for a quote-unquote meal. It's now late at night and the prince's servants come to report that the duke has had too much to drink and will stay the night. Qi Hong and the princess immediately understand the meaning of this. The prince of Yong essentially has kidnapped the duke. The princess, Ping Ning Junzhu, is furious and immediately heads to the palace. She tries to demand an audience with the emperor himself. At the palace, the princess does not see the emperor, but she sees the empress instead, and they sit and await news. A eunuch returns to report that there's no sign of the duke at the Prince of Yong's estate. The prince's servants claim that the duke left earlier in the evening. The princess is incredulous. There must be secret chambers or rooms in the estate, something. She begs the empress to summon the prince himself, but the empress informs the princess, that the prince of Yong is currently performing the worshipping rituals and cannot be disturbed. You can see the gears turning in Princess Pingning's head. The duke's disappearance was plotted in advance. There's no way all of this was just a pure coincidence. The empress doesn't give much more aid and orders the princess to head to a side chamber and get some rest as they await for more news. Notice the empress during the entire scene. She seemed quite annoyed at the princess. Sure, the princess in her distress has acted quite out of decorum. For example, kind of raising her voice and screaming. 
but there might be something else at play with the Empress. After some time, the restless princess cannot wait any longer and leaves the palace sobbing. She is not granted another audience with the Empress even. The Empress has evidently decided that she either A, does not want to deal with the situation, or B, it's not worth it for her. So she doesn't really help anymore in this whole situation. Ji Hong, who is waiting outside for his mother, comes to understand that there's not much they can do and return home. The princess falls ill, and it's now Ji Hong's turn to tend to her bedside. The princess, in her weakened state, tells Ji Hong that she will return to the palace tomorrow to beg again. And look at this, it's the mother again, kind of taking up the mantle and uh, charging forth. Ji Hong, though, ghostly white, slowly walks out of his mother's room. He finally has a few minutes to digest the events of the day. He hopes that in the next life, his loyal servant, Bu Wei, will not end up in a house like this again. He tells the new servant that to the outside world, it looks like they live a life of luxury, splendor, and without worries. He himself believed that of the emperor as well. But in the end, after the day's events, he says, they're all just human. They all have pain and suffering, and they all have to deal with matters outside of their control. Zhu Yilong, the actor for Ti Hong, does, in my opinion, an amazing job here portraying Ti Hong's desperation and realization that his life is outside of his control. His laugh at the end of the poem he recites is chilling. The young duke finally realizes that he has to bear the burden of his family, which means he cannot do what he wants. Ti Hong pays a visit to the Prince of Yong. His wife, the princess consort, or Yong Wangfei, meets him instead. Right off the bat, Ti Hong requests for his father to be released. The princess consort continues to lie and says she has no idea what he is talking about. In a daring move, Ti Hong pulls out a dagger and points it at himself. He threatens the princess consort, telling her that she can have her daughter marry his corpse instead. The princess consort is shocked at first, but then smirks and actually states, My young boy, you are too young. We did not kidnap your father. We simply invited him over to discuss the pros and cons of this union. She goes on and has the gall to say, We're both royalty. It doesn't benefit us to strain our relationship with blood. Kudos to Ti Hung right here for absolutely blowing up at her. He says, uh... Isn't that what you've already done by kidnapping my father? The princess consort finally lays it all out. The whole reason that they acted the way they did tonight was to have Ti Hong himself show up at their door exactly as he is doing now. The princess consort, or Yong Wangfei, bluntly tells Ti Hong, You're right. We can't do anything to you, but you know who we can destroy? The Sheng family. The only reason you won't marry my daughter is because of that Sheng family girl, right? It'll be quite easy to squash that family. If you die, the Sheng family will die with you. Is that what you want? Poor Ti Hong. It's just one blow after another. He 
after hearing this, lowers his dagger. Also, um, look at the princess consort. She's dabbing her eyes too. Excuse you, what do you have to be crying about? You're threatening murder as leverage over Ti Hong. Ugh. Ti Hong responds with two phrases that we've talked about at length. And In the previous episodes, these were phrases that praised the parents' love and devotion to their children. Ti Hong here now is mocking the princess with these phrases. He asks her, what kind of planning is this? The heavens are mocking the emperor and the dynasty will fall into the hands of people like you. What will the world turn into? That is quite bold, actually, even for Ti Hong. The prince of Yong might become the crown prince next and become emperor. For him to say that, that's a big slap in the face uh, to the princess consort herself. Well, with that, the prince's consort, or Yong Wang Fei, coldly stands up to tell him that he has no other option. If he signs the marriage contract, Ti Hong's father will return home immediately and the Sheng family will be safe. Faced with this enormous decision, Ti Hong weighs his options. Poor guy, you can see all the tears streaming down his face. He slowly turns towards the piece of paper. Zhu Yilong, the actor for Ti Hong, continues his streak of amazing acting here, his incredulousness, his helplessness, and his quite frankly naivete are perfectly shown here. He is no match for the scheming princess consort. The prince of Yong and his wife have pushed Ti Hong and his family into a corner, and Ti Hong has no other option but to sign. We actually don't see him sign the contract, but in the next scene, the Countess of Yongchang, or Wu Danyangzi, visits the Sheng family and spills all of the gossip to the ladies of the Sheng family. The Countess of Yongchang, of course, isn't there to be benevolent. She needs Minglan to hear the news so that perhaps she'll consider her house instead. Minglan keeps very quiet. Rulan and Molan, after leaving the hall, continue their bickering outside about the news they just heard. Both of them really don't care about Ti Hong's marriage. Molan sets her sights on a next target. We'll find out who that next target is. Back at her own quarters, Ming Lan is writing a poem. Her grandmother, Grandma Sheng, comes to console her. This kind old lady has some very stern words for her, but they're just what I think Ming Lan needs to hear, or at least begin to hear. Grandma Sheng says, You just tripped. Have a good cry, get up, and keep on living. At the end of the day, marriage isn't always up to the children for people like us. You fought for it, so you should have no regrets. Grandma Sheng finishes with, I will help you find a good match. For the first time ever, Ming Lan finally cries in front of someone else about this whole situation. She, in her mind, did love Ti Hong, and despite her head telling her not to hope for a marriage, she still wanted to believe that it could happen. Now, in the face of reality, the only thing she can do is cry. I want a grandma like Grandma Sheng. My grandparents are great. I love them to death, but this woman is on another level. We finally get back to Gu Tingye. He's being requested to head back to the front lines. 
Let's take a pause here and look at Shi Tou, Hu Tingye's servant in the background. Shi Tou means rock, and the servant Shi Tou is standing there like a rock. He's like staring down at the two people coming to talk to Hu Tingye. <laughs> it's quite hilarious. Hu Tingye finds out from Chang Momo about Qi Hong's impending marriage, and he quickly schedules a meeting with Qi Hong. Well, we see Qi Hong sitting at the the dining table, and he looks quite terrible, even worse than before. He's just a shell of a human right now. Well, we get a fascinating scene as uh, we get to see how the two men respond to the exact situation that Qi Hong was just in, and ultimately, Qi Hong shows his true colors. Qi Hong asks Gu Tingye what he would have done in his situation. Gu Tingye immediately responds and says, I would have entered the palace, sought an audience with the emperor, and sue the whole family of the prince of Yong. Another option? I could copy them. The prince kidnapped your father, I'll kidnap his daughter. Without a daughter, who will you marry? You delay a couple of days and that's it. You've won. Point proven. The prince of Yong would not dare to uh, uh, make this known to folks, so I think you would be in the clear. Qi Hong is absolutely speechless at what he hears. He digests it a little bit and then listens to his response to Gu Tingye. Your suggestion might lead to the annihilation of the entire family. Gu Tingye then responds with, I think is the most apt description of Qi Hong and his weaknesses. He tells Qi Hong, you want to live however way you want, but to do so, you must take risks. You grew up with everything, so you never had to fight for anything. Because of that, you never knew what it meant to compete, to scheme, to fight for your desires. He bluntly tells Qi Hong that this whole situation with Minglan, with his mother, with his father, with uh, the Prince of Yong, is 100% his own fault. Qi Hong should have come clean way earlier. Look at Qi Hong now in that scene. He tries to retort, but he doesn't. He knows everything that Gu Tingye says is true. He missed every opportunity with Minglan. Qi Hong then claims that he cannot face Minglan anymore because of what he's done and hands a box over to Gu Tingye. This, in my mind, is a complete act of cowardice. He made the mistake and does not even uh, want to talk to Minglan. Like, he cannot face her because he knows he screwed up. Gu Tingye stops him, however. The most important thing for Minglan right now is not the stupid present. It's her reputation. Everyone in the capital knows now that Qi Hong wanted to marry Minglan. Now, if Qi Hong marries the Prince of Yong's daughter, what'll happen to Minglan's reputation? What'll happen to her marriage prospects? Hu Tingye asks, uh, have you thought about that? Have you thought about her situation? Uh, just looking at Qi Hong's face. He doesn't care as much or has not cared as much. He dares to respond, yes, I know, but what can I do? I can't put the entire Qi clan in danger. Gu Tingye gives Qi Hong one last chance. If Qi Hong really wanted to fight for Milan, Gu Tingye will do it for him. He will go and abduct the Prince of Yong's daughter. Milan's reputation and happiness all depend on Qi Hong's one decision. 
Man Qihong, where are you going to find a friend like Gu Tingye? But honestly, also, did anyone believe Qihong would agree to this? After Qihong kind of like mullying over and just like, oh my god, what do I do? Gu Tingye coldly tells him, you keep saying that it is fate of what happened to you. But if you worry about every step you make, then stop planning. It's not worth it. What are you doing? Gu Tingye leaves with a box. Qi Hong is left at the table, still not uttering a single word. And with this scene, I am over Qi Hong. Yes, what he experienced right before was absolutely terrible, but <clears throat> come on. He keeps claiming that he'll fight for Milan, but when push comes to shove, he'll use his family to cover for his cowardice. He had this opportunity that Gu Tingye just presented to him, but at the end, he decided to not go forward with it. He's a project of his family and society and uh, not the best match for Minglan. Gu Tingye pays a visit to Minglan under the pretense of visiting Sheng Changbai. Gu Tingye has with him the box Qi Hong gave him. Gu Tingye and Minglan have a coded conversation about Qi Hong since, of course, she is still an unmarried woman and they can't be talking about other men. What happens if somebody else uh, overhears? And of course, the maids are out listening too. Gu Tingye compares a calligraphy sample to the situation between Qi Hong and Minglan. Minglan opens the box to see the male clay doll that Qi Hong bought uh, as part of the pair. Minglan returns to her room to pick up the female clay doll and decides that it is time to return it back to Qi Hong. She gives the box over to Gu Tingye. Milan laughs. When she warned Gu Tingye of Manyang, he didn't listen. When Gu Tingye compared Qi Hong and her to Tang Minghuang and Yang Guifei in the last episode, she also didn't listen. And look where they both are now. He tries to console her to look ahead. He tells her if anyone says anything about her marriage prospects, he'll take care of it when he returns. He thanks her again for enlightening him towards another path, and he tells her to do the same. Minlan, at the end of the episode, watches Gu Tingye leave and states, You're right. I need to look ahead. I came to this world, and I should live a happy and content life. And that is why Minlan will succeed. With that, the story of Minlan and Qi Hong effectively comes to an end. Phew. All right, that was a long recap. What do we think about Qi Hong's choices? Um, thoughts? Let's think about that while we dive into history. First up, Meng Tang. Qi Hong briefly mentions Meng Tang when he hopes Bu Wei will live a better life in the next life. The literal translation is Grandma Meng Soup or Forgetfulness Soup. The properties are similar to that of the river Lethe of Greek mythology. Legend has it that there is a yellow spring road to the realm of the dead. There's a river of forgetfulness called Wang Chuanhe. In Chinese mythology, Meng Po is the goddess of forgetfulness. On the bridge of forgetfulness, or Naihe Qiao, there is a pagoda called Wang Xiangtai. Meng Po, or Grandma Meng, serves a soup of forgetfulness, or also the five-flavored tea of forgetfulness. 
This tea wipes the memory of the drinker so that they can reincarnate into the next life without the joys and burdens of the previous life. They will reincarnate based on the karma accrued from their previous lives. Xiu Hong hopes that his servant Bu Wei drinks the soup and forgets all of the pain from this short life. Next up is uh, the phrase or the poem that Xiu Hong recites. Qi ku gu kan yan, qi tong nan yan jin, luo he san qian xing, bu du zhao yue ming. So these few lines are recited, as I mentioned, by Qi Hong as he, heartbroken, wanders out of his mother's chamber. This poem is actually written for the show and has no historical basis. The translation on YouTube for the first two lines are pretty good, so I'll use that. And then for the last two lines, uh, I'll use my own translation. The first two lines translate as this. This pain cannot be mentioned. This ache that words cannot stop. The river reflects 3,000 stars, and it doesn't only reflect the moon. Here, Qi Hong is lamenting the predicament that his family and the emperor himself is in as well. They suffer all the same, with pain and aches that cannot be mentioned. The river reflects 3,000 stars, and the 3,000 stars are normal folk like Qi Hong. Not really like normal, but let's just say 3,000 stars represents the pain and sorrows of, of everyone. The moon is the emperor. Qi Hong is trying to say that the river will reflect everyone's pains and sorrows, not just that of the emperor. Even if the emperor is the moon, everybody will be reflected. Okay, I think it's an okay poem. Not really sure why this needed to be repeated again when Qi Hong said this in plain Chinese just before this poem, but okay, I think to reiterate the fact that uh, he currently is in a very helpless situation. All right. Lastly, on the historical front, after hearing the news of Qi Hong's impending marriage, Ming Lan writes poetry that reflect her current state of mind. The two lines mentioned are Wu Kuai Fei Wu Xiang An Neng Jiu Liu Zhi. Those two lines translate to, Wu Kuai isn't my hometown, how can I stay long? This poem was actually written by Cao Pi, the first emperor of the state of Cao Wei during the Three Kingdoms era, and lived from 187 AD to 226 AD. We've actually talked about him before, as his uh, other poems have been mentioned in this drama. The whole poem itself is titleless, and I don't have an exact date of when it was written, but we can probably attribute it to sometime post-200 AD. The full poem itself is about a traveler and his trials during his travels as he finds himself far from home and becomes homesick. The full poem is as such, and here it is in Mandarin. Xi bei you fu yun, ting ting ru che gai, xi wo shi bu yu. This roughly translates to The clouds are in the northwest. They look like carriage covers. My timing is unfortunate, and I was caught in a terrible storm. It blew me towards the southeast, towards Wu Kuai. 
Wukwai isn't my hometown, so how can I stay along? I shouldn't think too much, because as a guest in a foreign place, I should be wary. This uh, is a pretty good poem, and the two lines featured in the show, in my opinion, aren't as applicable to Minglan's situation as much as the last two lines. Her grandmother correctly points out, where do you want to go? She's at home, where can she go? Which are the two lines, Wu Kuai Fei Wu Xiang and Neng Jiu Liu Zhi. I think the last two lines, Qi Zhi Wu Fu Chen, Ke Zi Chang Wei Ren, which, as I said, uh, she should be wary or people should be wary, um, that is more applicable to Minglan here. But overall, a, a pretty, pretty nice and pretty, um, pretty good poem here. The other references made during this episode can be found in other episodes uh, we've discussed for the story of Minglan. So the first one, Shen, or the Chinese idiom that translates to show affection and love for one's children, check out episode 15. 父母之爱子 Translates to the love of a parent means that they will plan long and far for their children. Check out episode 22 and part one of episode 23 for this one. And finally, the story of Tang Minghuang and Yang Guifei, or the tragic love story between the famous Tang Dynasty Emperor Tang Xuanzong and his consort Yang Guifei, check out episode 27. Now, let's get on to our character analysis. And the star of the episode is, of course, Qi Hong. I've praised the actor Zhu Yilong enough in this episode for his acting, so I will dive now into the character of Qi Hong. I admit, I've shown my favoritism towards him over Gu Tingye, but I think that's because I know Qi Hong will never be the perfect match for Minglan. So I have let his faults slide. Here, though, I'll... Very much uh, kind of not be as nice. Si <laughs> Hung, in the eyes of society, truly is a standout gentleman. In this episode, we see his filial piety, his devotion to family, and his love for Milan, or his uh, self-proclaimed love for Milan. But we also see his, as I mentioned, naivete, his helplessness, and finally, his cowardness. In this entire episode, Ji-hung was always just that pawn that dutifully showed up where he was needed. The unseen prince of Yong and his wife, the princess consort, used their own scheming and plotting to force Ji-hung into this marriage. They acted ruthlessly for their daughter's happiness, and Ji-hung, nor his parents, thought to do something similar. The best thing Ji-hung had to offer was his life, which the princess consort scoffed at. She said, you threaten me, I'll threaten you with the Sheng family. Qi Hong, of course, caved because uh, that was his weakness. At no point during these two episodes did he try to scheme or try to find leverage against the Prince of Yong. Qi Hong knows his duty towards his family and clan. At the end of the day, he chose his family over Milan. True, Milan and her entire family were at the mercy of the Prince of Yong, and this would have spelled doom for Milan. Tihong believes that he had no other choice but to forsake Milan. What do, you, what do you think about this? My thoughts are, as I mentioned earlier, Tihong, in my mind, behaved exactly as a man of his time. He's a true gentleman. In the face of love, he was cautious because he didn't want to harm anyone. 
In my mind, though, being a true gentleman is not always that good. In the end, he hurt everyone. Minglan even said later on, I don't blame him. Everything he tries to do, he ends up messing it up. Because he was that true gentleman, the Prince of Yong was able to easily trap him to do his bidding. Gu Tingye was also 100% correct in saying that this whole thing was Qi Hong's fault. Why didn't he tell his mother sooner? Why didn't he plot for any leverage against the Prince of Yong? Why didn't he go in with a plan to see the princess consort or the Prince of Yong with something other than, oh, it's just me, I will kill myself? His naivete of the world prevented him from scheming and his cowardice prevented him from making that final decision to fight for Minglan when Gu Tingye offered him the chance to do so. Qi Hong, in the end, was Tang Xuanzong. Okay, not as bad, he didn't kill Minglan, but he gave up on Minglan for the safety of his family and the safety of Minglan's family, which in his mind was, was everything. And for a man of that time, it probably was everything. So despite how much he loves Minglan, he caved. What sealed the deal for me, uh, though, really was at the end when Gu Tingye asks Qi Hong what will happen to Minglan's reputation after all of this. Qi Hong claims again that he can't do anything about it, but he actually could have. He didn't think about what he could have done. I mean, don't marry her if you right now that's what you decide, but Qi Hong, you can pay off people to not spread rumors. You could write to say, oh, we're just uh, friendly during the polo match, something. Si Hong is just simply wallowing in his own sorrow and has disregarded Minglan's situation. Let's contrast his behavior to that of Gu Tingye, who over the past 10 episodes has transformed into someone who is constantly there for Minglan and is fully aware of the difficult predicament that she is in as a woman of the strict society and makes sure that she does not come out tarnished in any of the situations where they are together. For example, when um, Gu Tingye saved her uh, from the bandits after her great aunt's uh, death, he protected her from afar and did not dare to come up next to her um, when she went home. And this was to protect her reputation. Si Hong over here is just like, ah, oh, I can't do anything. Uh, yes, you can. Si Hong let his one chance with Milan slip away from his fingers, and it really was, at the end, his fault. He will regret this decision for the rest of his life, but again, it's this was all on him. There's a hilarious comment on YouTube where someone wrote, Si uh, Hong in his mind must be thinking, what on earth do the ladies like me for? How can I change? I will change. Buddy, it's too little too late. All right, lastly, let's talk about book differences. The drama vastly enhanced Tia Hong's role in the show. Um, and I've mentioned before, uh, Minglan and Tia Hong never had any real reciprocity in feelings. It was all very much more subtle. Minglan cut him out of her life pretty early on. Other male characters have actually a much bigger presence in the book, including, of course, Gu Tingye, the doctor He Hongwen, and even Minglan's other male cousins and brothers. In the book, his marriage to the Prince of Yong's daughter is briefly mentioned. The predicament that the Qi family found themselves in, as in their favor hanging on a thread, and very much dependent on the favor of the emperor, is described in the book. The aftermath of this marriage 
will be highlighted in the book and the show, so I won't divulge more. The clay dolls are actually featured in the epilogue of the book. Spoiler alert right now um, for the book. If you don't want to be spoiled about what happens at the end of the book, this will be the end of the episode for you. Thank you for listening today, and I hope uh, to catch you in the next episode. All right. All right, let's continue. At the end of the book, Qi Hong's grandson, who is ranked second, so we call him Qi Xiaor, marries Sheng Changbai's granddaughter, who just so happened to be ranked sixth. She's also a Shuni, or not born from the main wife. We will call her Sheng Xiaoliu. And who also is Sheng Xiaoliu? Of course, Minglan. When Qi Hong finally dies, Sheng Xiaoliu finds an old box. In the box are two clay dolls. The coloring has faded due to the years, and on the dolls are inscribed Sheng Xiaoliu and Qi Xiaoar. These are, of course, the same dolls that were sent back to Qi Hong after they were rejected by Minglan all those years ago. With the marriage of Qi Hong's grandson, or Qi Xiaoar, to Sheng Xiaoliu, in some ways, the two of them will be together forever and feel that regret that Qi Hong will feel until his dying breath. I will dive into the ending of the book epilogue uh, towards the end of the drama because it vastly colorizes and provides more information about what happens to the characters uh, much more than the book. But I wanted to share the fate of these clay dolls in the story today. Well, that is it for today's episode of the story of Minglan. As always, if you have any questions or comments, let us know on the topics uh, you want us to discuss or happy to just chat uh, with you all. Otherwise, until next time. <laughs>